Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One, I've always had an innate fear of the dark. Not so much the dark, but the night itself. As a child, my imagination was overcome with stories of creatures that come alive at night and the safety offered by a house and light. I never had anything to base this fear on until a night when I decided to go with a buddy of mine to a baseball game. Of course, that night the game went into extra innings, so I didn't get a chance to drop my friend back off home until well after 1am. Everything was fine on the way home until I hit a light right before the street that led to my house. It was a T-junction and I was turning left. The light is one of those that you think is broken until it finally turns green, right when you decide just to run it. Of course, I pulled up right as the light turned red. Typical. I would have just run the light, seeing as no one was there and it was closing in on 2am. But earlier this week, I had heard the phrase, Character is what you do when no one is looking. And for whatever reason, that was the night I decided to prove to myself that I was a man of character big mistake. I pulled to a stop at the light, feeling good about myself, bordering on self-righteous. When I happened to look out of my window to my left, I noticed a lady sitting all alone on a bus bench. We made brief eye contact, and I quickly looked away. It was too late. I could see movement out of my peripheral vision, and I knew she was coming my way. I looked out the window and noticed she was carrying a bag. I quickly checked that my doors were locked and all my windows were up. I then moved my right foot above the accelerator, just in case, and braced myself for what was to come. I was hoping it would be just an awkward exchange and was praying for a quick light change before she reached me so I could just get out of there, though I knew there was slim chance of that. She walked right up to my window, put down her bag and began to tap on the window. I nervously looked up at her, and she motioned for me to put my window down. I had automatic windows, so I just imagined pushing too hard on the window button, and that thing just coming all the way down. So I took a deep breath, and lightly flicked it with my finger. The window moved microscopically down, but she didn't seem to notice or care. She leaned in, and began to talk. She said, My boyfriend beat me up. I have a friend who lives down the street. Can you give me a ride? I should stop and give a brief physical description of the bag lady. She was small and skinny and of indeterminate age. She was either in her mid-twenties and had lived a hard twenty-plus years on the street, or she was a sixty-something-year-old who had lived a moderately hard life on the street. All that to say, just by looking at her, there was no way to verify her story. She looked beat up by life, not just by a boyfriend. And there was something about her delivery. It was robotic, and seemed practice, like she was disconnected from the moment. That made my skin crawl, and after a brief debate, 
on whether I should do it. I told her that I had to get home and couldn't give her a ride. After my first refusal, she leaned in closer and said the same thing again. My boyfriend beat me up. I have a friend who lives down the street. Can you give me a ride? This time, I felt more confident when I declined to give her a ride and told her I had a curfew and had to get home. She leaned in a third time and began her statement again. My boyfriend beat me. At this point, the light changed. I slowly lifted my foot off the brake and started slowly rolling forward and began muttering apology. She didn't move. She just looked at the light and then looked down at me, leaned in closer and said five words that have haunted me ever since. You made the right decision. She then picked up her bag and walked back towards the bench. I peeled out of the intersection and cried and screamed all the way home. I have no idea what she planned to do, or if there were people waiting to jump in my car from the bushes had I moved to let her in. But that encounter has haunted me ever since, and has confirmed in my mind that nothing good happens after dark. 2. I dated a kid in high school for about three months. He became very controlling and jealous over that time. He actually tried to choke me once over a comment I had made, and I immediately ended things with him. Fast forward about nine years. I'm single, have a successful job, own a house, had a wonderful £220 St. Bernard named Sergeant. My life was full. I had no want for anything, especially a relationship. So out of the blue, I get a Facebook message from the guy I dated in high school. He asked how I was, and things like he thought about me all the time and wanted to get together to have dinner. I politely but firmly said no, and thought that was that. Unfortunately, it turns out that he is extremely persistent. He started messaging me on Facebook two or three times a day. I ignored him and continued working and living my life. It got to the point that he would message me over ten times a day, so I of course blocked him, and again didn't think anything of it. Then things got a little concerning after that. He somehow got my phone number, and started texting me more than twenty times a day. Some of the texts started creeping me out. He said things like, Saw you in your yard today, you look good, and I always get what I want. What bothered me the most was that he had found out where I lived. As a 23 year old, I have no reason to have a home phone and just use my cell phone, so my address wasn't published anywhere that I was aware of. It just set up a couple of red flags. Now, my St. Bernard was a big ham, so he slept in bed with me at night. One night, I woke up to my St. Bernard covering me with his body and shaking all over. I lifted my head a little to get a better look at his face and was shocked to see he had what I can only describe as a silent, feral snarl on his face, staring out my bedroom window. I turned my head, because it was the only thing I could move, having an oversized lapdog pinning me to the bed, and saw the son of a bitch that was internet stalking me for months. That SOB looked straight into my eyes and hightailed it out of there. I unburied my arm, grabbed my phone, and called the police. I live in a small town, so they were there in under two minutes. When they looked around the house, 
they found cigarette butts on the floor by the window and a wet substance on the side of my house under the window that turned out to be, you guessed it, semen. He was arrested after they linked the DNA of the semen to a rape he had committed and served time for in a different county. I have absolutely no doubt that if my dog hadn't been there, I would have been raped and possibly worse. 3. Almost two years ago, I was at school in a small college town. I was admittedly a bit naive as I had been raised in a pretty safe small town. The apartment I lived in was a basement apartment. Our windows looked out about a foot over the ground, and my bedroom window was right in front of the visitor parking. So this one night, a guy I'd been on a couple of dates with wanted to stop by and catch up. It was about one in the morning, so I suggested I come out and talk to him as not to wake my roommates. I saw his headlights shine into my room and went out. So we're sitting and talking in his car that has extremely tinted windows, facing my still-lit bedroom, when I see someone. An older guy, about 45 to 55, it was dark, starts wandering through the visitor parking, peering at all the cars there. He was tall, about 6 foot 4, and lanky. Our parking is heavily patrolled, so I remarked that he was probably just looking for violations. I could have sworn he saw us sitting in the dark car then, because he froze and stepped closer, staring. After a couple of seconds, he seemed content with what he was doing, and I thought he was going to leave. Instead, he walked ten feet ahead and put his face to my bedroom window. He crouched and began leaning side to side, trying to get a better view. I was frozen and began shaking. The guy I was with was no help. He remarked how the man had walked straight to my window, even though there were plenty of other lit ones. He wondered out loud how long this had been happening, and how it didn't seem like it was the first time. I was still in shock. I reached my phone to call the police, and he said something like, I doubt this is a real emergency. He's probably harmless, just creepy. I wasn't thinking clear enough to tell him otherwise. All the while, this guy was still just crouched by the window with his hand on crotch. It was probably a solid five minutes before the guy stood up and turned to leave in the opposite direction he had come from. I felt like if nothing bad happened at my window, he would probably just come back another time and I would never feel safe. So I grabbed the handle of the door. The guy I was with again told me not to get involved, but he wasn't doing anything, so I threw open the door and shouted after the guy. He stopped in his tracks about 30 feet away from me. Hey! You fucking window watcher. Fucking creep. Not my most eloquent, but at this point he'd registered he'd been caught and started sprinting away. I think for a second I forgot that I was 5'5 and like 115 pounds and screamed, Yeah, you better run. When he was out of sight, I sat back in the car and panicked for a bit longer. I told the guy I was going to call the police. He told me he had to go play Halo with his boss. I swear I didn't make that bit up, and that he would keep on his brights to make sure I got in okay. Keeping in mind here that the guy just took off in the direction of my front door, and there were no lights on the outside. I was furious with the guy, but I didn't want to talk to him, so I just bolted out of the car and ran into my house. 
I called the non-emergency line because he had me questioning if it was big enough to warrant 911. I had three cruisers at my place within two minutes. While I stood there with them, I just happened to peek down into my own window. It was chilling just how much of my room I could see. This is how I'd kept my blinds positioned for the entire time I was there, and I could see the whole of my bed. Later that night, I wrapped my window in a sheet. 4. My parents used to have a friend from high school, who they have since told me they all thought was a little strange. We'll call him Rick. My mum said that he was a really nice guy, not red flag weird, just a bit odd. They had vague knowledge of abuse in his family, but at that time, abuse wasn't something people really talked about. It was just considered personal family business. So I guess they just chalked his oddness up to a childhood trauma or something. Their group of friends were all pretty close, enough so that it wasn't weird when Rick would show up at our house just to hang out. My mum told me that sometimes if my dad wasn't home when he stopped by, he would just hang out with her and little baby me until he got back. The year they all graduated high school, a woman attending the university in our town went missing, and about a month later, her body was found. The police reported that the woman's body had probably been there a couple of weeks by the time it was found. Her killer was never caught. A few years later, when I was a month old, another female student of the university went missing. Our local police department still has her case open, because she was never found. She was pronounced dead after being missing for about ten years, at the request of her family. Around the time she had gone missing, I think there began to be some suspicions surrounding Rick within their social circle. No actual evidence that he may have been involved or anything, just more of a feeling they got that something was going on with him, and they just found it a bit eerie seeing as how it was at the same time this woman was missing. He had previously asked my dad if he could store a truck topper in their barn. My mum told me that she once went out to look around there, just to be sure. Of what she really never said, she wasn't looking for anything specifically, she just felt a need to inspect the area a bit. She didn't find anything strange or out of place. Eighteen months after that, a third woman was abducted. After being taken to a house in a tiny town outside our city and chained to a bed, she was after a time taken to a bridge over the river, hands and possibly feet still bound and thrown in. She somehow swam to the riverbank and was able to call the police. She identified her abductor to the police, along with the house she was taken to. It was Rick. The police went to his house to arrest him. As they were climbing the stairs, he shot and killed himself. During the investigation into the two prior disappearances, they discovered that he had taken off a week of work during the times that each of the other two women had gone missing. 5. Alright, I want to give some background information about my area before I start the story. I live in a small, somewhat sketchy, but not too bad area in a small town. It's not too bad of a place to live in as long as you know how to deal with creeps, drug users and outright idiots. The following incident involves one guy who has all these traits. This happened on a cold winter's day. 
I was on the way to a friend's house, not too far from mine, and it took about 10 or 15 minutes. As I was approaching a shopping mall that was around halfway between mine and my friend's house, a slim but strong-looking man came up to me. His eyes were sticking out as if they'd fallen out of his eye sockets. His lips were cracked and dried. His face was dry, and from his hair, it looked like he hadn't showered in quite a bit. I couldn't stop staring as there was something oh so sinister about him, added to the fact that he looked like a druggie. I knew it'd be best if I stayed away from him. He stuttered and said something along the lines of, he needs money now. I politely declined when his eyes opened wide. To date, I haven't been able to forget this expression. I started walking away when he jumped in front of me and started staring into my eyes. I ignored it and walked off once again. I could see him running towards me, this time wearing a mask, that of a mime. He started doing a creepy walk stroke run and went everywhere I went. It was getting late, so I pulled out a fiver and gave it to him. He took the note and shoved it in his mouth and started chewing it. He told me he didn't need my charity money and walked off behind me, or so I thought. After a moment, I looked back and saw him once again. This time, he was without the mask. He had a syringe in his hand and started doing a combination of running, screaming and jumping towards me. I booked it out of there. I'd come a fair bit away from the mall when I realised this was serious. He just kept laughing and chasing me. I could do two things at this point. Either turn back or continue forward through a narrow alleyway. So I continued to run ahead. I only realised later what the man was screaming as he chased me with a syringe. HIV. AIDS. I got to the end of the alleyway and onto the main road when I saw a police car. I rushed towards the officer and told him what happened. By the time I went back, he was gone. I could tell the officer thought I was just wasting his time. I went to my friend's house later on and he said he could have sworn he saw that guy near the mall before. Hi guys, Brimstone here. Hope you enjoyed the video as usual. If you did enjoy it, please feel free to like, comment, share and subscribe. Um, the channel is growing very, very nicely at the minute. It's fantastic to see so many people um, deciding to subscribe. I know I've probably missed a, a 10,000 sub special um, by quite a while, so I'm not going to do that. Though what I want to do is, once the channel hits 20,000, I'm going to do a Q&A video for you guys. So if you want to start sending questions to me so that I can prepare, that'd be fantastic. Any questions you've got, stick them in the comments section below and I'll make a note of all the ones that I want to use. So, until next time, sleep tight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.